welcome to the Inspired Riding Podcast. I'm your host, Beth Lauren Parrish. As a certified riding instructor, remote coach, and animal communicator, I bridge the gap between your inner and outer worlds as you strive to enhance all aspects of your riding. I'm here to remind you that you are powerful and more than capable of changing your reality with your horse time. In this podcast, I got to interview my dear friend, Carrie D'Amato. She's a riding instructor for the equitation-based riding program in Central Florida at the Dark Horse Arena. She's also owner and show manager of the successful Saltwater Show Series. She's loving life and loves playing with her ponies. I can't wait for you to hear this interview. Enjoy. Carrie, thank you so much for being here on my podcast. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad I get to do this. I have listened to every episode and just absolutely love it. There's some really great people that you've interviewed. Oh my gosh. I want to make friends with everybody. Thank you so much. They sound like the coolest people. I've been really lucky. I've got some amazing people I get to connect with and um, you're one of them all the time. So I'm just so happy that we could actually talk in person like this. It's amazing. Yes. I'm telling you, if this tech had been around when we were teenagers, oh my gosh, can you imagine? Oh my gosh. I can't. This is just amazing. I'm actually glad it wasn't because it makes me appreciate it more. Yes. And I'm glad some of the shenanigans that I've survived. Um, I'm glad YouTube wasn't a thing back in the day. (laughs) Yes. I still have high school remind me of things. I'm like, oh no, that was another lifetime, you know. <laughs> yes, yes. So there's no photographic evidence, so it's all allegedly happened. Exactly. Yes, I love it. <laughs> so tell, oh. tell me about what you do and and what kind of job you have. Well, being somebody who doesn't like to sit still, um, I have my hand in a lot of different pots. Um, currently the owner and operator of the dark horse arena, which has been going on since, oh, I'm going to date myself. Um, 1998 is when it went official. Um, so we've been chugging along since then. Um, we also, or I also, uh, run the saltwater show series, which is an all breed open show schooling series here in Florida, uh, five counties, four venues last year. Even during the pandemic, it was wow. amazing to see the turnout that we had, uh, of course, being safe and following CDC guidelines, which with horse people, we're all, we're already a chestnut mare away. I mean, we, <laughs> we're, we're safe. You don't need to tell us horse people to stay distance. Everyone wore yeah. their red, red ribbons on their, on their butts, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, the main focus that we have here at the arena is just education. Um, if it's got four legs, a head and tail, and doesn't move, we'll show it. And I have been known to show cows too. So I guess, I guess that saying doesn't work anymore. The education side is just not just showing. And though we do have clients that do show, um, it's just more learning more of the ins and outs of why we do certain things and branching out and teaching people who have never even really been around them or didn't have the opportunity to grow up with horses how amazing the world is the horse world is just it's magical it really truly is just when you think you know something and you're at the top of your game the door opens and there's another whole universe to explore and i absolutely love it love it that's fantastic. So uh, going back to your name of your business, the Dark Horse Arena, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. I've always been the proverbial underdog, the so-called dark horse in any endeavor. Um, I didn't grow up with horses. I grew up around them, but not with them. Okay. Um, every opportunity I had to be around them, that would be me. Um, I'm also not your typical rider. I'm under five foot 
who generally back in the day didn't really look twice at anything under 16 hands. I wanted the biggins. And being as little as I am, being able to control something that's, you know, 17 hands, 1,500 pounds over a meter three wasn't probably the smartest thing for me to do, but it was a lot of fun. Um, so there was a lot of challenges going into doing that, uh, being just my size. And I, again, I didn't grow up with horses. I grew up around them, but not with them with them. Um, I was always the dark horse. So it kind of evolved from that. And even now as a competitor and exhibitor myself, I show unconventional breeds in unconventional sports. And I like it. I like being the underdog. I like showing them that different can be good. And as far as being the dark horse in some of these endeavors, sometimes we win, sometimes we learn, but whatever we're doing, we're having fun with it. And a lot of the fun with that isn't just from the winnings and all that. It's being out there and showing just what some of these unconventional breeds can do. And I like that. I like being the dark horse. That's and it fits. What's, which breeds do you like to show the most? Um, right now, I'm really into showing off the versatility of the gated breeds. Um, currently, out of six horses, we are, four of them are gated. Uh, there are three, excuse me, there are two Pasifinos, one American Pasifino and a Tennessee Walker. And with those breeds between the four of them, it is everything from NBHA, which is the National Barrel Horse Association, to Western Dressage, um, over fences, mounted shooting. Um, we've done a little bit of cross country, um, a little bit of everything, cow work. They're just, they're very versatile. Right now, I'm focusing a lot more on the American Pasifino. We do have one. Um, his name is Solo. Can't tell where that came from. Um, and he is my next mount as my others have been, or my main mount was retired. Um, at the ripe old age of 29, we decided to join Western Dressage. And he did quite well for his breed. It was neat seeing a Paso out there strutting his stuff and showing him what we can do. The breed that we have now, the American Pasifino, is uh, that's in the 60s, brought over by the servicemen. Uh, Solo is going to be my working equitation mount, oh, which working equitation is a sport that combines trail, speed, and dressage. And I like to explain it as practical dressage. A lot of times, do we really need to canter pirouette? No, but if we can canter pirouette around something, make it look good and have fun. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. And it, it's a really neat sport. It combines a lot of hand-eye coordination, a lot of leg, a lot of seat work, and it's ever evolving. Again, I don't like to sit still. I like to learn something new. And with that particular sport, there are so many aspects of it that pertain to everything that we do it, with the dressage being the foundation. And I love it. Love it. Love my gated horses. That's really good to know. This is something I'm considering doing with Pepper too. So that should be really. Fun. Oh, he would be amazing. <laughs> oh my gosh, he would he he would kill it. He would absolutely kill it. I think he did plus it. points for being cute. Well, yeah, <laughs> he'll get these <laughs> points wherever we go. I'm I'm pretty blessed that way. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. So okay, coming to another subject. If you had a superpower, yeah. what would that superpower be, and why? So this one was really good. So if you uh, know me, and especially my horses, um, I gravitate a lot towards the Star Wars universe. I love the idea of the Force. I like being able to connect with the world around. There we go, baby Grogu. <laughs> Hi, Grogu. You're so sweet. <laughs> I think it would be the force. I want to be able to connect with the living world around me, but also kind of like to control things. A little bit of a control freak, bit, little bit. And the <laughs> other like one that was, <laughs> right? <laughs> the other one that I thought would be really cool and it's a little bit more practical. I'd like to have Dr. Strange's powers. 
I'd like to be able to see every possibility of the path in front of me. Ooh, I got chills from that one. That was cool. I, I like the, the, I think the ability to look into the different and unique ways of doing one single item and seeing the outcome of one choice, I think would be really, really neat. It would also probably in the long run, keep me out of trouble. For sure. Right. And it's a toss up between Dr. Strange and using the force. Well, I guess you could combine those. That would make sense. Cause that would be really cool. You know? I could dig that. Yeah. I could totally dig that. <laughs> I love it. Thank you for that. So do you have any stories of overcoming adversity that have shifted your life? Yeah. Um, so back in the day when I was young and dumb, because, you know, in order to be old and wise at first, you must be young and dumb. I really, really powered through that. Um, I was in a incident that involved horses, of course, and I exited that endeavor with a lot of physical limitations. Um, being young and horse crazy, I didn't understand the words, you shouldn't do that. Uh, if a new horse came in, I was the first one that was on it. It was just, it was my jam. I loved it. I loved seeing what something can do. Where, where are my limits? What, what boundaries? How far can I tow that line? Well, after this incident, I discovered that I do have limits. I shouldn't do some of this stuff that I was attempting to do. Um, and it wasn't like it was dangerous. It was, you know, just maybe not the brightest thing to try. So with having physical limitations that involved mobility and strength, it shifted the way I view not just my horses, but the world around me. So what my limitations were uh, was a vertebrae fracture. Um, I have three of them that were fractured. And because of the swelling that involved with those fractures, um, I have a lot of loss of mobility and feeling on my right side of my body. So as a rider, we're taught to be balanced in the seat. Very balanced. You have to remain balanced in whatever you do. Well, taking away feeling on one side of your body really puts you at a disadvantage because being the perfectionist that I am, I want to achieve harmony. And when you are out of balance and you don't have the harmony, that it throws off the whole view of things. Um, something simple as posting on the correct diagonal. You know, those of us who write English, we don't think about it, we just do. But with having a limitation to where you can't feel it when it's right, it just stacks like dominoes. So once you tip that one balanced piece, everything else falls. And with that goes confidence. With that goes second guessing. Um, that just that taking away one simple thing like feeling on one side is just, it rocked my world. I seriously considered leaving the horse industry forever. I mean, it, it was, it was very difficult. However, being a horse person and being stubborn, I channeled my inner Shetland pony and said, no, I'm going to do this. So with that, it wasn't just shifting how you do things it's shifting your entire world. Something as simple as lifting your saddle and placing it on a horse. What do you normally do? Pick it up with your left hand, pick it up with your right hand and lift. Well, when you are limited with one side, can you lift a 35 pound Billy Cook roping saddle and sling it up on a 16 hand horse? No, it doesn't. You can't, you physically can't. And being limited by something like that was just mind blowing. We take for granted so much simple things, tightening a girth. Um, when you can't apply equal pressure to an English girth billet as you're pulling them up, what happens? You usually have to let go with your weak hand. That hand is usually under great force. So what happens? Do you know how many times I've accidentally punched myself in the nose? <laughs> I've done that even with feeling. So I totally. Yes. 
<laughs> yes. So, yeah, it's like, well, how did you get the fat lip? You know, you kind of want to say we're not supposed to talk about Fight Club, but no, it was something as simple as I couldn't hold on. And yeah, yeah. So with that changing the way you view things, it changed the way I ride. Um, there are a couple of things and me being an equitation rider that I had to get used to. So equitation is is how we ride. Knowing how we ride and why we ride channeled that through your equitation and you have a very balanced rider. While being unbalanced, I had to compensate. Uh, compensating with cueing your leg, compensating with something as simple as inside leg, outside rein. If you take away one side of your body, you can't do that. So shifting weight and balance, you kind of have to learn how to shift correctly. Um, one thing that was really hard for me is having very short legs to begin with was channeling more of that riding into my seat and my bone, my seat bones, rather than using my leg. Um, so that was kind of neat. Um, paired with a very sensitive horse, we were a, a power couple. Um, Alex was my, my primary ride when I started riding again after the, after the wreck. And he's super, super, super sensitive. You literally can just sneeze and throw him completely out of whack. Because what happens when you sneeze, your whole body tenses. And he just, I mean, they can feel a fly land on them. They can definitely feel us. So paired with a super sensitive horse, he allowed me to really get used to being in my own skin again. And he taught me how to compensate for what I lost. And through that, I developed a lot lighter feel of my horse. And it sounds so weird because it's like, well, you've lost feeling, therefore it should be harder but at the same time, it's not because you're more aware of what isn't there anymore. Um, you just a very fine balance of compensating for losing something and not overcompensating for it, which uh, if you look at videos of me before I got hurt and then after, right after when I started back into horses and riding seriously, I overcompensated big time and you can see it. Most of the time, if you didn't notice or you weren't an equitation rider, it's not something you would have picked up. But if you knew me, you'd look at my riding and going, oh, wow, wow, that's, wow, that's bad. <laughs> but I have developed a, a little trick and tips to help me. And through being super sensitive of where my body is, I've been able to transfer that to the horses that I ride and the horses that I train. So they're super sensitive and sensitivity is not necessarily a bad thing. You get a lot of horses that are known for being oversensitive. The Arabian is supposedly crazy, but no, the Arabian is sensitive and he's probably smarter than you are. And you just don't understand that. So it's, it's a weird revolving door when it comes to adversity like that. And it's ever changing as well. It's not something that you can just put into a box and open it when you need it. It's something that you live with, but you make peace with it. Now, do I ride like I did before? No. Will I ever ride like I did before? No. The idea of jumping, you know, a, a meter two probably would make me pee my pants if I actually looked at the jump. Um, however, I'm at at peace finally with my limitations but I still struggle and this happened a while ago and that was the day before I debuted at three star CCI my, my computer cut out what did when oh, I'm sorry um it would have been I believe 2000 2001 or 2002 so we're going on 20 years with this disability yeah, now. Is when I broke my arm as well. That's so interesting. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's something that you almost get. It's, it's a type of equine PTSD. Yeah. Um, I'm very, very selective about 
other horses that I ride now, if I don't mesh with them almost immediately, if I just, I trust my gut a lot more than when I first got hurt. That is for sure. Um, and it's not a magical My Little Pony moment. It's just you either resonate or reflect. And if I don't resonate, I'm not going to try them. Um, if it's a new horse and it might take a little time for me to be able to resonate with them, then yeah, I'll try it. I've got one here that's been here a month and I threw a leg on her today. We're kind of trying to find some buttons. She's a little bit older. We're trying to find where her buttons are. And I realized that she did a beautiful leg yield um, at a trot. And that's, that was a lot of fun. I haven't had a chance to do that in a while. Um, but the, the limitation going back, I'm sorry, ADHD is real, y'all. Uh, going back to with the limitations of the university, it's just being able to balance the disability with the door opening to what you can learn. I think if I hadn't gotten hurt, I wouldn't be able to pick up on these little tiny things that our horses are telling us or asking us. It makes you hyper aware of what's going on. It really, truly does. And it's, it's not the easiest thing to deal with. And again, I mean, it's, it's not all unicorns and rainbows when you get hurt and it changes your life like that. But there are different ways to look at it. And hey, I can still ride. I still enjoy horses. Um, I can now take what I learned from dealing with that type of adversity and help other people. It's not the end of the world. You may just have to shift your focus and fix work on you, fix you and work with what you have, not with what we wish we had. Exactly. And that's something, you know, I've struggled with myself and I've come to a place where we have found a new normal. And in this new normal, you get into that appreciation mode, like, well, I at least still get to ride. Now what else? Mm -hmm. And so that feeling yeah. of finding those nuances and opening up those doors to become more aware, it's one of the biggest gifts, actually, because it forces mm -hmm. you to slow down and really go step by step. What can I do? How can I make this easier for both my horse and I? And that's... Mm -hmm pretty awesome despite the pain. <laughs> so. yeah, true. True. I and mean, there are days that I just, I, I can't ride. I just, I cannot do it. Um, however, through that, okay, so I can't ride. What else can I do today? So let's work on some groundwork. So yeah. it, it just being out there, I think one of the, the most difficult things that people that I've come across that have had a disability like that, or have had a, a traumatic event is, Horses aren't just riding. Go out there, spend time with them. Yes. They keep you in the moment. And that right there is therapy in itself. And it's neat to see now science is finally catching up with what we horse people. I mean, we've known this for millennia. Sure. They just make you feel good. <laughs> and it's neat to see the science finally catch up to it. And we can offer some of these equine therapy programs to people who really need it. And it's thinking outside the box. Again, I can't ride today. Oh, well, well, what else can I do? There we go. Absolutely. And the horses appreciate the variety as well. Yes. Yes, they do. Um, that is one thing that out here, um, working with the horses that we do, because I have a couple that are, uh, have some PTSD issues from their past. Um, we have some rescues that, that haven't made peace with their past. So we just, you know, they need us just as much as we need them, but opening that door to a whole new world, when you get these new, these guys that have been nothing but show horses and to show them, Hey, trail riding's fun. Check this out. You're standing on a, a teeter totter. Look what you can do. We've used things like that to open their and broaden their horizons and to give them their confidence themselves. You've heard me talk about Tony, the pony, Tony, the pony scared of his own farts. I mean, that's how nervous and uptight he is. And now he's out there free lunging and helping out another horse that has trust issues. He just had to be shown that he can trust himself. He can trust his judgment and other people. He doesn't have to solely rely on, 
the world around him. There are things that can help him too. Yeah, and he's out there free lunging with Solo. But of course, being Tony the Pony and just ugh, Tony. <laughs> Tony. I love all their personalities. It's so awesome. Oh, he is definitely the ham out of the crew, for sure. For sure. <laughs> so you talked a little bit about, you know, resonating or reflecting. So how do you use your intuition with your horses and teaching? Being open. Um, again, it's not my little pony magical connection. Not you won't connect with every single horse that you're around. I've got one that's been in my life for going on 20 years and we've never had that some people call it a heart connection or join up or whatever the terminology is. However, we both have very mutual, very strong mutual respect for each other. Um, she has a job. I have a job. We work together sometimes. Sometimes we don't. Um, using intuition is I'm since I did get hurt and that kind of shifted the way I I think about equines in general, that was probably, and as weird as it sounds, it was probably one of the best things that happened to my equine journey was getting hurt because it made me look at my relationship with horses a little bit different. It made me a heck of a lot more sensitive to the little tiny things that you pick up on. And if you're listening and you're looking, you're going to figure them out. It's not necessarily an open book. However, what's neat about them is they can't lie unless they're telling you they have not been fed. <laughs> they will lie about being fed. That's the one thing that horses will lie about. But being a being around a truthful animal, you don't have to second guess what they're thinking you can pick up on it if you're just quiet. Watch and also use the science too. Use the fact that they telegraph what they're going to do with their body. Right. Just pay attention, not just to them, but the environment that they're in. Um, it has really, really honed my, I'm gonna say a bad word. It's really honed my shit meter. Like this is going to get ugly fast. <laughs> um, that, that has really sharpened and that intuition. And I look back on some of the, the, the goofy stuff that I did when I was younger, I look back on it now going, how am I still alive? I should have died at least 38 times doing something stupid, right? but honing that, Honing that and just listening to what's happening in the here and now, but also have, being able to have that Dr. Strange ability to look, okay, if I do that, that might happen. If I do that, that might happen. If I do that, that might happen. I'm going to do this over here and take that completely out of the equation. I'm, it's self-preservation. It's a very healthy sense of self-preservation now. Yes. Where honestly, when I was younger, it was hold my beer and watch this. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it's just, that just doesn't happen anymore. So resonating with them. And that's just the term that I use. Um, resonating like a tuning fork. Yes. If you don't feel it, don't do it. Mm -hmm. If it feels off or wrong, figure out why. Um, it could be something as simple as the energy in the air is wrong. You know, a front, we're in Florida. So if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes, it'll change. But our fronts come through super fast and the whole air quality will change. I mean, you can feel it. Well, think about that horse and through generations of domestication. Yes, they've gotten a little pampered, but that gut feeling is still there. They can feel other things like the change in the air, the change in the barometric pressure. You know, they feel a heck of a lot more than what we can. And just being able to pick up on the little subtle things is absolutely, you have to be able to, you have to. 
to survive and to be confident in what you're doing, you've got to be able to follow your gut. And I will tell, you know, going back over some of the craziness that has happened, you know, some of the equine adventures, the times that I haven't followed my gut are usually the times it's gone to heck in a handbasket. Same here. Yeah. Yeah. You go on that one trail ride. Hey, let's turn left. Mm, no, let's not. And then you come to find out from the neighbor that, yeah, there were wild hogs that were bedded down back there in the palmettos. And yeah, if we would have ridden through there, it would have been a rodeo and it would not have been a fun one. There was no buckles at that rodeo. No, no, no you got to follow the gut. And it's, it's something that is prevalent in some people and not in others. And before I got hurt, I would have just pushed through it. Oh, this doesn't feel right. Nah, we'll do it anyway. But now it's no. Okay, why doesn't it feel right? Step back, look at the entire picture, and then go from there. Beautiful. Yeah. And I find a lot of people are, are so stuck on their egos. They just think they have to just soldier on and keep going. But the ones who are starting to really question that and get a little more humble and quiet and actually tune in with how their body's feeling, everything can shift from that point. But it's just a matter of quieting down that ego for a moment. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. The, the ego, especially in the, the, the show world, yeah. um, the ego is something that is very hard to tame and it's something that, you know, I did before too. I mean, I, I was a cocky rider. I was undefeated for years. Um, I'd pull up in a, I had a very unique rig. I'd pull up in that rig and people would go home oh um, because they were not coming into the money if I showed up and I look at it now and I go, what was I thinking? I was a little rat what in the world again in order to be old and wise at first you must be young and dumb and cocky and have a really fast horse the 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 ego that i see now is just uh, in the show world and not just in in the show world but in professional equine endeavors period you're not gonna go far with that ego and now by go far, there are trainers and I'm not going to name any because I don't bash. But if you ask me in my opinion on somebody, I will tell you the truth. I will be painfully honest. And that's not always what people want to hear. But with a lot of these well-known trainers, that ego is what they stumble on. Because when you have an ego that is out there and a little bit too big for your britches, you miss out on so many of the quiet moments. There are so many times I look back at my show career and going, you know, I could have enjoyed that a lot more if I would have just kept my mouth shut and looked and enjoyed and savored the moment. That is something that the, the ego in the equine world, there are a lot of peacocks. There really are. And I've had my time in the sun, let them enjoy theirs, but I just wish they would scale it back a little bit because they're missing so much, so much. And that's, that's sad. It really, truly is. Um, I am very fortunate to work with one of the most naturally talented trainers in the world who could be bigger than a big mouth trainer from Australia. He could be bigger than a showboater from central Florida with his own tack line, but he's in it for the horse. And when you're in it for the horse and the horse only, the amount of possibilities that you have in the doors that can that not just open for you, but that you can open for other people is astronomical. This gentleman, and if you've seen, um, if you've seen me ride, and especially at some of my shows, I'll have, I'm starting to have him as a clinician, just because the way he's able to communicate and not just communicate with the horse, but teach you how to communicate subtle little skills through you is really really neat um i won't name him but you'll see him 
you'll see oh, him later. Check it out later. That's awesome. He's he's really really cool. Uh, and uh, he shifted a lot. Um, he's very very old school, but at the same time, there's no ego, so he can do whatever. And it's really neat to see other clinicians like yourself, how you're able to shift somebody's view on how just something so simple as sitting on your horse, shifting them, or even just like putting on a different pair of glasses to be able to view your horse through a different lens. Um, one of the program or one of the, the insights that you had on one of your programs just absolutely floored me. Okay. I've been into horses a long time. I've been there, done that. I've got the buckles on the wall to prove it. I've had my time. I have enjoyed basking in the sun. However, I've also seen the good, the bad, and the incredibly ugly in the equine world. And it caused me to be jaded. I'm I was very jaded about my riding, about the show world, about the training world, about the equine industry in general. But through one of your programs, and I'm terrible with memory recall on which one it was, but you rocked my world because you shifted the way I thought about my horses. And with that, it's not just my horses, but me being able to touch what I can with other people and their horses was that this is a privilege. This is an amazing opportunity to be able to connect with an animal that does not speak English, that does not communicate in any form of language that we understand, but the ability that they have to let us connect with them is a truly magical experience. It really is. They don't have to let us do this. They don't have to, but they will. And being able to shift that from, oh my God, if this woman does not pick up that left lead in the next 30 seconds, I'm going to choke her to, holy crap, that horse hasn't murdered her yet. That's a saint. Let's see how we can shift her ability to listen to what this horse is trying to tell. And that floored me. I cannot tell you how many lessons I've taught in my life. I can't tell you how many shows, how many classes or whatnot that I have had in the past that it's just become a job. This is my job is to make, take this client to this show. We're either going to win or we're going to learn. We're going to have fun regardless, but being able to look at it through a different set of glasses and re just reveling in the fact that this is such a great honor that these horses let us into their world. Not only that, but a lot of them actively seek out our company. They don't have to. Granted, they could get into the, the feed room if they wanted to, to eat. However, they don't really need us. But for them to open that door and for me to be able to realize and just kind of shift how I view these horses was groundbreaking. Because thousands of lessons, a bajillion horse shows, and I kind of took it for granted that this is my job. However, look how lucky I am look, they're letting me do this. Not only that, but they enjoy my company. Actively seeking me out to go hang out in the pasture with them or whatever. I don't have, they don't have to do this. And the monotony of riding lessons. I mean, we're talking 20 to 40 riding lessons a week, um, day in, day out. The lady still can't pick up that left lead. However, you know what? Her horse gave a great stretchy walk. He's engaging his back. We're going to call that a win. We are. That whole shift to this is an amazing animal. This is an amazing creature that's let me glance into his world a little bit rather than this is a tool to get from point A to point B and to get my name out there. 
that that was huge for me. It really, truly was. And it, it boils down to the part of the ego to tamp that ego down. Let's do what's best for the horse. But just being able to shift that view of this isn't my job. This is an amazing opportunity that I get to do. I get paid for it too. Right? <laughs> amazing. Oh, you just gave me chills, Gary. Thank you. It's the truth. Again, I speak the truth, and sometimes the truth isn't what people want to hear, but it's what needs to be told. I'm so so honored that you were able to find that shift in your perspective. It's just gorgeous. Oh, it was neat. It was eye-opening. It was like uh touching the electric fence by accident. Yeah. Like when somebody tells you the fence is off and you actually believe them and you touch it. Yeah. It was that kind of a, a shock. It was, wow. It was very eye opening. It was, especially as jaded as I've been in this industry and all over the place. And yeah, it, it was very eye opening. I like that. It was, it was a electric fence shock. <laughs> <laughs> That's something. I love it. Oh my goodness. Oh, so you were talking about your students and your shift in perspective. So how would you describe a perfect student now? This was really good. Okay, this is the, the question that, that kind of tripped me up because, of course, we want, you know, as, a, as an ego-driven instructor, the perfect student will be one that I can mold into the likeness that it needs to be, that they need to be to succeed. However, you take the ego out now, again, shift in perspective, and the perfect student would be one that is open to new possibilities, open to the idea of exploring outside of the box. I want one who asks why. Why do we post? Why is picking up a canner the correct thing to do? why is it inside leg to outside rain? Why? I like the inquisitive nature of some of my students. And it's one thing to be told how to do it. It's another thing to be told why. Why do we mount from that side? Well, because most people are right-handed and in equine culture, if you were climbing on a horse with a right-handed carried sword, what hand would you hold on to? Your left hand to mount. Um, why do we use bits? Well, because pole pressure, the whole nine yards, and you go through the mechanics of bits. Um, I, want, I want the inquisitive mind, not just to, to say, yes, thank you, but why? So I think the, the perfect student would be one who questions. And that's how you learn. Definitely question. It is. It really, truly is. <laughs> and I am the one that asks the questions. And I have no problems if, it, yes, there are stupid questions. And I have no problem with answer, or asking the questions or even answering them, too. Um, I want to know why. I really, truly do. There is so much stuff, especially in our world. Well, why do we use that type of girth or pad or just why? Answer. So I, the, 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 there is no perfect answer for a perfect student because that student changes too. Um, but I think the closest thing I can come to a perfect student would be one that questions what you're telling me in a nice manner, please. Well, yeah. <laughs> Besides kindness always, right? <laughs> yes, yes, please, please. Um, let's see. What do you wish all horse people would do with their horses? Enjoy them. Love it. The short answer, enjoy them. Um, and through that simple answer, I mean, you could go down a multitude of rabbit tracks, but just enjoy them and live in the moment. They aren't here as long as we need them to be. Cherish it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if you were to write a letter to your younger self, what would the main message be? <sighs> hmm. That's a very good question. 
don't listen to the naysayers. Follow your gut and tighten your girth. <laughs> I think that, that would that would be yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> very, very sage advice. <laughs> Can you tell me about a special horse that changed you? Yeah. Um, Alex, so I have a Pasifino um, who is a very unconventional Pasifino. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Pasos are a gated horse. They have a four-beat lateral gait. Um, they're generally between about 13-1 and 14 hands. Um, they are naturally gated. They do it from birth. And he is 15 hands. He is massive for a Paso. Um, he is probably one of the most difficult horses I have ever encountered in my life. Um, but what he did was challenge everything that I thought I knew about horses. And I realized how much I don't know about horses. Um, he was one that questioned me a lot. He was not easy. Absolutely. He was probably the most difficult horse that I've dealt with. Um, to the point where, and this might be a little shocking for some of your listeners, but at one point I had a whole dug on the back 40 for him because I did not want him to hurt somebody. Oh my goodness. I had no idea. He wasn't aggressive at all. It wasn't like that, but he was super sensitive in the fact that he had to be able to trust you. You could not push him. If you tried to push him, he would push back and he would not back down. And that stubborn streak is what some people called it. Um, that stubbornness wasn't, it was, he wasn't mean about it. However, he was not one that would back down from a fight. Something as simple as going through an open gate while mounted. So uh, one time I lived on a place that was about an eighth of a mile from a state forest. And all you had to do was open my gate and turn right and go about an eighth of a mile and you were in the state forest. And it was gorgeous. I loved it. It's one of my favorite places. Um, I, it was a night and it was a small state forest. So we didn't have to deal with a lot of the, the traffic in and out. So it was perfect riding opportunity. Um, when I got Alex, for that first two years, the only way you could get him to go through that gate when you were mounted was to do basically a reigning spin and spin him in a circle until he was dizzy and then haul butt through the gate. Oh and once you got him through the gate, it was fine. <laughs> yeah. He was very difficult. If you tried to push him through it or drive him through it, because, you know, they always tell you, add more leg, add more leg, get a bigger bit, add spurs, get a crop. Um, he'd dump you and then do his own thing. You had to, he made me communicate what I needed from him. He taught me how to communicate. You can't do it through sheer strength or force. You have to resonate. Okay, we are going through this gate. There is no way if ands or buts about it however we can go through this as partners and not as Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield <laughs> I didn't want to fight so what he did was uh made me think different ways of well how can I get him through the gate because it wasn't just the fact that I wanted to ride but if we needed to leave because we lived on the state by the state forest you know, and we're Florida here, we have lightning capital of the world. Um, there are a lot of forest fires in our area from lightning strikes. If I needed to get this horse out of this gate safely because we needed to evacuate and he wouldn't go through the gate, then yeah, it was simple things like that. It was as a necessity for him to learn. So we went step by step, got closer to the gate. He'd pitch a fit. Okay, we're going to back off. 
closer to the gate, pitch a fit. Okay, we're going to back off. And it wasn't the fact that I was backing down. It was redirecting his focus and redirecting a focus on something, I think is a skill that when I was younger, I didn't understand um, because you're always taught to push through it, push through it. Well, he's telling me no, and he's telling me no for a reason. That reason, I don't know. (laughs) I still can't figure out why, but we did come to an understanding about the gate and it wasn't working through the gate. So we eventually would, could make it through again, we'd spin and spin. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the sport of raining, YouTube, a raining spin. Um, I had to do this about 15 spins in a row and then and through a gate. It was not pretty. Dizzy. Um, it, if you know how to sit a spin, uh, you can sit it in such a way where you don't throw up. Okay. <laughs> but there were several times I was very green going down. <laughs> to wow. But with him, it became a matter of trust because on one of these adventures, we finally came to an understanding about a year and a half after I owned him. And this is a year and a half of sit and spin through the gate and other things that we just learned that you just could not push him. You can't push him and make him do something. So it ended up being a matter of trust. And he was very distrustful and it came off as being not aggressive, but assertive, Um, very stud-like behavior, very stubborn, very stiff. And what our breakthrough was is here in Florida, we have a plant called a palmetto and it's like uh, palm fronds. They're very thick. They grow low to the ground. Um, and then they bloom up and they're about um, chest high on an average horse and they're very thick. Well, also here in Florida in the woods, we have a type of native hog that's the what they could they call them here in Florida as a piney woods hog. These sows, the female hogs are about between 35 and 60 pounds and they can have upwards of 15 to 20 babies. Well, well, we came across a mama hog, a sow that had probably 10 to 15 babies that had been nested down in the palmettos. And we were just kind of pushing, Alex and I were just kind of pushing through the palm fronds and he spooked her. And most of the time they just run off. But I think because her babies were so young, she decided to chase us. And the thing about a hog is that they are pretty aggressive animals when they're protecting young and they bite. And the amount of bacteria that is in their mouths, um, they can transfer a lot of really bad infectious problems of the horses or even dogs, if they get bit by one, it can cause a lot of infections in that bite. It can turn to staph. Um, It's just nasty. You don't ever want to get bit by one of these. But this stupid pig chased us for at least a mile. And we are crashing through these palmettos. You cannot see the forest floor. And I just, I gave him his head. I held on because I'm not coming off at a dead run in this stuff. Not only hogs here in Florida, we have rattlesnakes and moccasins and all kinds of fun little danger noodles that you don't want to land on. Um, And I just gave him his head and I let him choose his path. And eventually she stopped chasing us and went back. And then he stopped and we just had a moment. Okay. He trusted me enough to just let him go and choose the path that we needed to be on. I trusted him enough to just hang on and let him do his thing. And that was when we finally resonated a year and a half later, finally resonated. After that, I did not have an issue with him going through the gate. We did not have trailer issues. It was the breakthrough that the trust breakthrough that we needed. It was like survive that trauma together. (laughs) Yes. It's it's surviving that type of PTSD together. It's a shared experience. And from that day forward, now, did we have other issues? Most definitely. 
but from that day forward, that planted the seed of trust. And from there, we were absolutely unstoppable. Um, it was the breakthroughs, the, the lights which went on. We had that, we developed a mutual respect for each other. I'm not going, I'm going to try not to ever put you in a dangerous situation. And he decided that he was not going to try to kill me going through a gate too. But it's, it wasn't really a magical My Little Pony moment. It was the fact that he realized that we needed each other to survive a situation that was out of our control. So that little seed of trust was planted and it bloomed, but only through cultivation. It took a lot of trust. It took a lot of exercises in little things like going through a gate without having a conniption fit. Um, from there, the sky was the limit. And even beyond that, anything from then on that we attempted, we succeeded. Uh, he is one of the only Passos that we know that have qualified for NBHA World. Every single year we campaigned. Um, from there, we did cross country. He jumped for me. Uh, which is very unusual for Paso too. And we're not talking little cross rails. He was jumping four foot without blinking. Oh my God. Uh, from there, we did, we did cow work. We did some long distance riding. Uh, he just, Superman. He was my Superman for sure. But just that one tiny, terrifying experience was what planted that seed for that relationship that we worked on that we worked on together and it wasn't other traumatic things that helped build that bridge. It was the quiet moments. It was the hand feeding, the hand walking, just being out in the pasture and just chilling, just doing our thing. And from that terrifying experience on, it was trust. Uh, he saved my butt and, he, and I saved his bacon. So it was, it was terrifying, but at the same time, it was worth it. It was the breakthrough that we needed together. And that's not something that can be taught. That's not a magic bit. There is no magic saddle pad that can create that. That is time and effort. And whew, it was a lot of hard work. Yeah, a, lot of work. a lot of shared experiences. It's so important. Yes. I'm glad you yes. guys survived and he did not get bitching. That's good. It was, whew, I look at it now going, oh my God, no wonder my hair is going gray. <laughs> I think owning horses makes your hair go gray by default, but. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, we should buy hair. We should buy stock in the hair coloring companies. I'm telling you. Whew. So is there anything you wish people would ask you? Now... <laughs> The sarcastic individual in me wants to say, I wish they would ask, can I just text you? Uh, but <laughs> the, 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 the professional in me just wants them to politely question why we do things. Um, because a simple why is this done can open a door to a world that you never knew existed. And be, I don't want to be the one to hold somebody back from experiencing something that can potentially change their world down the road. You never know how the questions that you answer can affect somebody else. That, there are people that I've had conversations with that I may not remember their names because that's been a long time ago, but their words were profound. So I think if I could get somebody or what I want them to ask me is just simply why, why? Love it. So cool. So is there anything else you'd like to add? Get out there in the world, enjoy your horses. If you don't have a horse, find it, find a way. Um, I do truly in the whole big, wide, wonderful world that 
if you want it, you will make it happen. It may not be the way you want it to happen, but it will happen. Horses are incredibly forgiving, kind, loving creatures that can change your world. And if you are currently horseless, don't give up. The right horse will find you at the right time. Don't force it. In the meantime, look for ways you can volunteer. There are plenty of therapeutic riding endeavors that are always looking for volunteers. Uh, reach out to your barns. Reach out to the 4-H community in your area. They're always looking for adult volunteers, too. If you are younger and you want to ride, reach out to your local barns. There are plenty of, of people, myself included, that would love to have a barn rat. Uh, my barn rat has unfortunately flown the coop by uh, heading to college and trying out for her collegiate team, not only trying out, but making it nice. and competing at collegiate levels. And she's back. Uh, she's back here in the area now. And now she has taken the what she's learned and she's sharing it with others. Now she has her own barn rat, which is it. kind of neat. Um, reach out, reach out in the horse community. We horse people, the majority of us are very laid back. We love to share our animals. If you see us out at horse shows or other venues with our horses, stop by, say hi, pet a horse. Always ask first, but pet a horse. Yes. Breathe that smell in. There's nothing in the world like it. Nothing more therapeutic than horse smell, especially each muzzle. I feel like it's a different, a different musk. Do you notice that? Yes. Yep. Yeah. We were just talking about that. And it's really funny because, okay, there are six horses on my property and um, they have the ability to walk right up to our sliding glass doors when they're out in the front. Yes. And I can tell, I can close my eyes and I can tell which one is walking just oh, cool. by their cadence. There are several that are about the same size, but no, no, Tony just has light. He has, we call it light feet. He takes short, quick little steps and nope, yep, that's solo. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, you look up and yeah, everybody has their own sound and their own smell, definitely their own smell. I wish I could bottle it. Go to Cheval. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So do you have a favorite quote that makes you smile? There are so many. Oh my gosh. Um, probably, and I, I'm going to piggyback off you. No lie. Um, so I'm going to age myself big time. And I was born in the glorious year that a certain movie was released <laughs> that not only changed the world as we know it, but rocked my world. And I am so glad that my fandom is alive and active now because when I was younger, I was the weird one. And you can look at, I'll have to send it. I'll have to send you the picture. It cracks me up. You can look at, look at my second grade school picture and I'm proudly wearing my Princess Leia and my Han Solo shirt because the Return of the Jedi had just come out. And I was so stoked to see a kick butt princess doing her own thing. And I would have to say the one that makes me and resonates me down to my core would be May the Force Be With You. It really, truly does. Um, I know this is kind of nerdy, but it's something that shaped me. I'm very fortunate to have met some of the actors that have been in those that franchise oh, cool. and as little as I am because um, I tell people that I'm five foot but I'm not um the one that resonated with me the most is actually Chewbacca and Darth Vader and the actors that have played both of those characters are well over six foot uh the bigger the badder the better uh, <laughs> the fact that somebody so big and so hairy and powerful could be so sweet and kind but also get the job done through Peter Mayhew's version of Chewbacca just brings tears to my eyes. I absolutely love him. And he's a kind soul too. Um, he absolutely embodied the strong silent, but not afraid to get the job done and rip somebody's arms off, especially if they're losing their chest. <laughs> 
and uh, Vader and his use of May the Force Be With You back in the day. Um, it resonates with me through the dark side in that no matter how dark you go, there's always a way to redeem yourself. And his character arc truly did. So the darkest of times is there if you turn on the light. And that is in reference to Albus Dumbledore and the Harry Potter world. Um, that too resonates in those one simple word, always. And it encompasses so much truth. So I have this yeah. the sign right in front of my desk. And yes. the quote from Harry Potter, after all this time, always. And you have- this. Exactly. There is strength in the, that one simple word. Yes. Absolutely. And actually, but definitely may the force be with you. And always, I think those are my two. That's that's what I live for. And that's what I say all the time. And what's so interesting is my brother who introduced me to Star Wars, and I think you guys, well, he might be a bit older, but he he's the one who emphasized when I put my tagline, may the horse be with you. He said, you have to say always after. And that's just been Definitely. my, makes so much sense. So I love that. And that's why we're kindred spirits. Yeah. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So how can love we- it. How can people get a hold of you, Carrie? Um, you can find us through the website, thedarkhorsearena.com. Uh, we're in the process of updating it. Uh, it needs a little, it needs a little help. Some updating some pictures too. Okay. Um, and also uh, the Saltwater Show Series is another one, saltwatershowseries.com. Um, through both of those entities, not only do we teach lessons we pr and run the horse show series, but we also do clinics. And we have some very unusual clinics in that we teach the historical side of horsemanship and equitation. Um, we also have a pretty neat program that involves bits. We call it a bit about bits. Oh, nice. And we come in with about 60 different types of bits and you can see how each one works why it works because we always ask why and it also will help find the correct one for you and even the history behind bitless riding and your hackamores which is the hakima which is what we use on our traditional apostles right. so yep find us at the dark horse arena and saltwater show series excellent and we cannot wait for 2021 we are going to so much fun absolutely cannot wait this is going to be our year and i cannot wait to start this journey to an amazing fantastic horse filled year that is set your goals now we're going to finish big for sure love it i'm so excited to be part of it too so <laughs> i can't wait i can't wait <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for doing this with me, Carrie. And as You're always, most welcome. May the horse be with you always. Always. Thank you, Beth. I really enjoyed it. That was such a fun interview. I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Thank you so much for listening. And remember to lead with kindness for yourself and for your horse please check out my website, inspiredriding.com. And if you feel inspired, you can join our Facebook group. Look up Inspired Riders. May the horse be with you always.